This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, this is Caleb Monroe, writer of Cloaks for Boom Studios. And while you think you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt, keep in mind, nothing is what it seems. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Come to my house, talk smack about the drinks I pour you. I love the drinks that you Quality pour. alcohol. Who paid for these Boob you up so we can have fun on this show. I bought these goddamn Cokes. Wrong. I stole these from work. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to episode 177 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, September 3rd. There was some criticism last week that I did not sound as excited as I normally There do. was? There was a little bit of criticism. From whom? So I'm amping it up. I'm not going to name names. Not gonna name was it New Mutant? I'm above the He internet. likes it when you get worked up. So, I'm, I'm just trying to amp things up a little bit. Take your shirt off. I was hungover last week. I admit it. Okay, folks? There you go. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not receiving a lower grade on my fantasy football draft <laughs> than my blissfully ignorant co-host. Booyah! Because apparently, even the people at NFL.com like Joe better than me. I am writing the Comic Speculator blog for WordPoint.com. You just have to make room for the realization that you're not that good at football. It is goddamn conspiracy, is what it is. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not researching my Dancing with the Stars draft, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Putting all Michael your money Waltrip. On Carlton. All the way. Putting all your money on Carlton. He's going to get up and do the Carlton dance. He's and definitely going to go, do the You dance. win. <laughs> in this week's episode, you'll hear our no holds barred reviews of the death of Wolverine and Hawkeye versus Deadpool number one. After that, we're going to review 10 more of this week's new comics. Faster than Wolverine come back from the dead during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be discussing next week's comics over a lovely birthday dinner for our friend Beyonce. And finally, uh, I think it's pronounced Beyonce. I think you're right. And finally, it's time to catch up on our ever-growing pile of back issues. And this time, we're catching up on Marvel's Avengers line. Most of it. Before access kicks off. So, put on your favorite super team jersey. Joe Patrick, who are you wearing? The Los Angeles Champions. (laughs) The Los Angeles Champions. That's good. I was going to go with my power pack underpants. Ooh. (laughs) Grab a cold beer, put some brats on the grill, and then we'll talk about this week's Big News! We got Big News! Gail Simone fans rejoice. DC Comics has announced that the writer will revive her fan favorite title, Secret Six, this December. The new series will feature Catman and Black Alice, both making their new 52 debuts, along with four other unknown characters. When the first issue opens, the six will awake trapped in a room with no memory of how they got there. In an interview with Hero Complex, Simone stated that the Secret Six will focus on a mystery, the answer to which, quote, all DC readers will want to know. As soon as we think of it, we'll let you know. <laughs> the series will feature character designs and covers by Dale Eaglesham, who helped Simone launch the Secret Six as part of the Infinite Crisis Villains United crossover in 2005. I think it was Villains Untied. Yeah. Artist Ken Lashley will draw the series. While four of the six team members remain unrevealed, one bears a resemblance to Strix, a former talon of the Court of Owls introduced in the pages of Batgirl, who later became a member of the recent Birds of Prey. Simone told readers that they can expect the same black humor and edginess the previous series was known for. Matt, I loved Secret Six. But do you think Simone can capture the magic again? I don't know. I love the Secret Six as well. 
And I thought the Secret Six worked so well in its time in the DC universe when that was going on. The whole Villains United thing and everything that, for the most part, we really didn't care about outside of the Secret Six, which was really good. I don't know if they can capture the same magic in the New 52. I want them to. I totally want them to. I can tell you, I don't give a shit about Black Alice. I don't care about that character at all. There's so many better characters, especially female characters, you could put there. Scandal Savage! Come on! Stupid name, but I really like the character. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I want this to be good. I don't know that a book like this can exist in the new DC 52 right now. I mean, there's no reason why, why it not? can't be good. Why not? Because the whole, I want you to tell me why not. The whole new 52 is right now seems to be nothing but dark, black, you know, extreme and with a little bit of dark humor. The Justice League is that book right now. Future's End is that book right now. Now we're getting another one. I hope it's good. I just don't know if it's going to be the same. And if it is the same, will it still be good? You hear where I'm going? They're trying to catch lightning in a bottle. That's a hard thing to do. You refuse to be excited about anything that DC tries. I get it. You know why. Tell me why. No, for a moment. Humor me. Tell me why. Yeah, yeah, I know why. I know okay. why, but okay. don't they get a... Are they too far gone that they don't deserve a chance? No, I mean, like, we're excited about... They're the reviving a title that fans have clamored for for three years? DC revived the Suicide Squad also. How did that turn out? You feel good about it? I love the Suicide Squad, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I love it. I just don't trust them. And I love Gail Simone, but man, that Batgirl run sucked. And it may not be her fault. It might a lot be, of people didn't agree with you. It might be a lot of editorial. A lot of people didn't agree with me. A lot of people also did, though. I know you did. I get it. Matt Baum, Matt Baum's a fun hater. He refuses to be happy about hey, things. I want it to be good. That's okay. I'm excited. I saw that cover, that amazing cover by Dale Eaglesham, oh, that like shoots and ladders looking thing. That guy's amazing. There are four new characters that are not traditional Secret Six members. Uh, they all look weird and creepy. And I'm excited for the return of Catman. I'm excited. Okay. I want Bane there. I want the doll there. Like, Bane's not going to be there. It's not going to be the me. same book. I know. That's what I'm worried about. All right, whatever, fun hater. Call it whatever you want. I, I am. call it Secret Six. Fun hater. Five years after acquiring the rights to the property, Marvel Comics has finally announced their plans to publish new Miracle Man material. Miracle Man Annual number one will drop on December 31st, featuring stories by Grant Morrison, Joe Quesada, Pete Milligan, and Mike Alred. We call him Pete because we're in first name. Did I write that? <laughs> I didn't mean to write Pete. Gabrielle Delato and Bone Creators Jeff Smith will provide the covers. Jeff Smith just tweeted his cover yesterday. Yeah, they released it. It's pretty great. It looks awesome. It, lo it looks like the, a very bizarre golden age. Man, I yeah. love it. Grant Morrison's script was actually written almost 30 years ago during the character's 80s heyday, but remained unpublished after Alan Moore wrote Morrison a letter telling him to, quote, back off. Morrison agreed to let Marvel finally publish the script under the condition that Casada himself provide the art. In an interview with Vulture, I don't know what that is, Casada spoke- a magazine? I don't know. Vulture. Website? Maybe. Casada spoke of the importance of the new material, saying, quote, People talk about comics like Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns, but Miracle Man affected modern comics as much as any of them, if not more so. This is going to be part of the historical tapestry of the character. End quote. So, Joey, now that Grant Morrison is a grown-ass man, is it finally time for him to stand up to that bully, Alan Moore, and give us some new Miracle Man stories? Why do you keep changing the ends of my stories? Because <laughs> it's more fun. I picture Alan Moore in high school, like, walking up to Grant Morrison, shoving him against the lockers. 
You're like, stay away from my woman. (laughs) (laughs) Graham was, I didn't know you were dating her. I think it's a fun idea that Morrison's been sitting on this thing. And in this interview with, he did this interview where he said, you know, that he thought, oh, maybe I'll just put it online. After all this time, I'll just put it out online. I'll put the script out, let people read it, whatever, whatever. And Quesada read that interview and went, oh, God, please don't let that happen. Please don't let him do that before I get a a hold of him. (laughs) How big of a check do I need to write you? (laughs) I was very excited for the Miracle Man stuff to resume. I am so far behind on reading the reprints. But I Have think, you not read Miracle Man before? No, ever, never ever. Really? Yeah, never. That's another nerd stripe. We'll just tear right off. There we go. Okay. Hey, whatever. <laughs> I'm like a decorated general, oh, so I got nothing but stripes. General? I don't know, man. I'm an admiral in the have, nerd navy. We might have to review and bump you down a little bit. <laughs> so I, like, I'm excited that the idea of Marvel finally getting around to doing something new with the character, though at the point that this comes out, they will not be far enough along in the reprints to actually right hit news st- carry on the series stories or whatever i just i think it's fun that they're doing something with it other than just reprinting the old stuff keeping the character live trying to get some excitement around yeah. it and for casada to come out and and put his weight behind it i think that's great grant morrison miracle man like how can you not be into that it's the next logical step i mean it makes sense you're gonna go from alan moore where do you go it's gotta be grant morrison yeah now, let me ask you this. People constantly bash DC for running with Alan Moore properties before Watchmen, for example. People lost their minds, decided that, like, you were rewriting the comics Bible. They freaked out. Are people going to freak out about this and say now Marvel's doing it? You know, because like that's a good question. Marvel, most notably, has stayed away from all of that. And now here they are saying we're going to do something that Alan Moore did not want back in the day. Well, I feel like. Oh, you mean putting out this story? Yeah. Hmm. I don't think people are going to be upset about it. I think Alan Moore is going to be upset. Oh about yeah, it. he's going. You know that he's going to. Uh, but say. that guy's already upset. True. I think that ship has sailed. I don't, I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking more about like, do you do you see any of the backlash that we saw? Do you foresee any of the backlash that we saw with before Watchmen? Well, I think the reason that Watchmen is so sacrosanct is because it was a complete work, right? And so for thirty years later. To have DC come back and go, you know what? We're going to add to it. Right. That, I understand why it rubbed people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Miracle Man never finished. It <laughs> just ended. It just went away. Yeah, that's Because true. the company folded. It just stopped. It, and it continued past Alan Moore anyway. So it's not like they're going back and adding to Dark Knight Returns or, sure. you know, or something like that. It's it's uh, It was something that was meant to continue that never had the chance. Right. And I agree with you. I, yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I don't think that... Because I, I do think that some people are going to say, this is wrong. I don't think it's justified. <laughs> yeah, but, Not that it won't happen. It's the internet. But yeah. I don't think it's justified. Alan Moore, of course, will be pissed. Yeah. That's, but that's what he does. But I feel like everybody working in comics is dead to him anyway. Except for his own collaborators. One more question, and then we'll move along. Do you care about this as much as Joe Casada seems to? Because he, whenever he talks about Miracle Man, he loves to say the Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, Miracle Man. Like a lot of us recognize that, yes, Miracle Man was important and Miracle Man definitely changed comics as we know it. But even you yourself, you said you never even read it. Well, sure. That's but that's only because is it as important? Yes or no? I'm saying no. I'm, I'm by no fault of the property itself. Right. Today. Maybe not, but that's only because it, it couldn't be revisited until that's where I'm now. Going that's where I'm going with it. By no fault of the property itself. That doesn't mean I it's think if not it's in publication. 
for those times, yeah, it's held up much That doesn't higher. mean we shouldn't be excited about its comeback. I, and I'm not saying that I'm not, but I will say, not as excited as Joe Casada seems to be. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean... <laughs> I'm going to read it. Look at how invested he is in it. Well, I get like it. Like how hard he had to work just I to get, get it. it. I know you hate it when I do this, but I do feel like Marvel made a big stink about this, and the sales on their reprints have not been as great as they hoped they would be. They just haven't. And I and it's got to be because people are so far removed from it. No, I I, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. And I think it's a shame. But I mean, it is a 30-year-old property. Yeah. And how, how much revenue are people supposed to pump into reprints of right. that property? I think that maybe when they get around to doing new Neil Gaiman stories. I think that'll get a lot more attention. Then we'll have to revisit this conversation. Yeah. And I think you'll also see those reprints selling a lot better at that point. Finally, everyone's all hot and bothered about The Rock being cast as Black Adam, but believe it or not. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> You're in chorus, dude. Come on. You can do better than that. <laughs> believe it or not. Okay. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one Hollywood story worth talking about this week. Fox is gearing up for a remake of Stephen J. Cannell's Greatest American Hero about a hapless teacher that finds an alien suit that bestows superpowers and then promptly loses the instruction manual. The series ran on ABC from 1981 to 1983 and was one of many shows created by Cannell, whose most famous contribution to television is obviously the beloved Ben Vereen, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, detective comedy, 10 Speed and Brown Shoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that one. Yes. <laughs> 22 Jump Street screenwriter Rodney Rothman is scripting the pilot, but no other details have been revealed. Matt, that is a little before my time. I, I have vague memories of I Greatest American Hero. for you to insult me. I understand. I understand. <laughs> I have vague memories of Greatest American Hero, but okay. I'm a little too young to remember it All right. completely. You're a child of the 80s. Does this news have you walking on air? hey My dad and I used to watch the hell out of this show and i loved it i absolutely loved it there's no reason why they can't do a legitimately funny show like straight up comedy based on this property i mean yeah. there, there really isn't and like honestly if he wasn't on brooklyn 99 i would say yeah go grab andy sandberg the first put the, him in the costume the man. first words out of dave demarco's mouth occasional guest host dave demarco donald glover Oh, yeah. I'd love that, too. Just make Donald Glover the I greatest I would totally American love hero. that, too. This is, could be fun as hell with the right... right And the guy that wrote 22 Jump Street, uh, Rodney Rothman. That movie is funny hilarious. Funny as hell. It's a, a hilarious movie. I really liked it. I see no reason why this cannot be great. It's one of those things where it existed for a very short time. Only a few people really remember it or cared about it at all. Mm -hmm. It was probably just fun for Stephen J. Cannell at the time, who wrote a million huge hit TV shows. And there's no reason why you can't bring this back and have fun with it. Hollywood's habit of turning out remakes to capture people's nostalgia. Yeah, it's cynical. Yeah, it's marketing. Yeah, they're right. just grabbing for money. So is everything they ever do. Yeah, I mean, give me a break. It, I think it's been a, uh, a long enough that if someone can do a really great modern version sure. of The Greatest American Hero, something that you I said didn't last for too long. Yeah, it was like two seasons or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 81 to 83, so yeah. maybe three seasons tops. Yeah. I think it's awesome. And But it's got to be funny. It's, it can't yeah, be, yeah. It, it's got to be, I'd like to see it sort of like in a Scrubs type vein where it's funny, but you know, it's still a little heartfelt and a little sweet. You know, and, yeah. and, we, and it's just great. And we feel good after we watch it. It's cheeseburger television. Let's have a good time with it. I'm glad it's coming back. I just hope they do a good job on it. And hey, 
if we don't like it, it's not going to be around more than a uh, pilot in a few episodes <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Fox is really good at shooting stuff in the back of the head. So. I really <laughs> hope they don't <laughs> screw it up. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on the THN forums where I'm starting my new Stephen J. Canelverse webcomic combining all your favorite Canel characters like B.A. Baracus, Jim Rockford, Booker, Hardcastle, and McCormick, and the Commish, and the unforgettable Lorenzo Lamas as Renegade, all in one star-studded crime-fighting team. For a second there, I thought that you confused Stephen Cannell with Stephen Bochco, but the commish was the created commish. by Stephen J. Cannell. Cannell. That's right, that buddy. That dude got around. That dude made a load of money making hit TV shows. <laughs> Every Sunday, the hit-making Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, tell the listeners what we're asking them this week. This week's question comes courtesy of forum user Vertical Suplex. Who I think we figured out was Justin O'Connor. I think it is. Yeah. This is an old one, and I never got around to using it because, quite frankly, I couldn't think up an answer. But now I think I do. I've got several. Who is your favorite comic book artist that started their career imitating a more well-known artist, only to eventually develop their own style? If you need an example, I would say, look at the 90s where Everyone wanted to be Jim Lee. Or Rob Liefeld. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I would argue Rob Liefeld wanted to be Jim Lee as well. It's a great starting point. And out of there, like all these artists came out of like Marvel, DC, Wildstorm, and like went on to do fantastic oh, things. Wildstorm is <laughs> rife with them. Oh my God. You would think the same dude was drawing every comic and just not working as hard on some of them. <laughs> you have until midnight this coming Thursday. September 11th to get us your answer. You can call and leave a message over Skype. The Skype handle is two-headed nerd, all one word. You can also call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 or send an MP3 to two-headed nerd at gmail.com. The important thing to remember is that you have to keep it short. Three minutes or less, we will cut you off and so will Google. It's true. If you need more time than that, feel free to write all of your examples, your top 10 favorite <laughs> artists. <laughs> Wait a minute, I thought they were I thought they were and then they got Yeah, good. yeah, they're good now. Like they're they started now. off kind of over at the THN web forums in the question of the week section. It's review time on THN where Matt and I say screw the projections and pick two comics that we think will be winners. Matt, what did you review this week? This week, I am reviewing The Death of Wolverine, number one, from Marvel, written by Charles Soule with art. By Steve McNiven, this is 56 pages for $4.99. But there's a catch. Look, I get it. Just like you, I've read a thousand comics where the hero was killed only to return six months to a year later. And I can't tell you that's not what's going to happen here. But we're not talking about that. What I can tell you is writer Charles Soule is in charge of this project. And after this is done, if you didn't already, you are all going to know his name. If you haven't heard, Wolvie lost his healing factor a little while ago, and things have not gone well since. I gotta say, I stopped reading both regular Wolvie books, because they just weren't that good, and they were doing this three, you know, three months to live, or three months to die, or whatever they were calling it. It was supposed to be a countdown to this series. I skipped them. Didn't read any of them. Me too. Picked this up, had no problem following it whatsoever. 
there's like a two page, three pages of Wolverine talking to Reed Richards and Reed just kind of lays it all out. Here's where you're at. You don't have a healing factor. You probably shouldn't be using your claws because every time you cut something and suck them back in your body, you're pulling a bunch of bacteria. <laughs> I never, which I never thought of ever. Right. That's your genius. skeleton is completely radioactive. From being in space, from being in front of atomic bombs, from like... From being at Nagasaki. Yeah, yeah from being anywhere where radioactive was going. Just from hanging out with Sunfire, probably. <laughs> Steve McNiven is on the art duties here, and he really is amazing. And not just, like, amazing as usual. It really looks like he poured his soul into this. And not just when drawing extremely violent fight scenes. And there's one where Wolvie is headbutting a character repeatedly until both of their faces are just ruined. But you can tell he just loves to draw this character and he's drawing a ruined Wolverine here, which is my favorite Wolverine. Wolverine full of arrows. Wolverine stabbed full of swords. Wolverine shot a million times or run over by a steamroller. That's my favorite Wolverine. The first panel here features a broken, bleeding Logan and it is just beautiful. Then, a bunch of people show up to kill him. <laughs> More or less, it's, it's go. He goes to a CD bar that he frequents, one of a million CD bars, probably somewhere in Canada, that he frequents, and basically tells the bartender, a whole bunch of bad people are going to come looking for me, tell them this is where I'm at, and gives them a map. Next scene, we see Nuke rolling up with some nameless thugs on their way to this island somewhere in British Columbia, where Wolverine is waiting for him. This is my favorite kind of Wolverine story. Charles Soule seems to have a talent for writing stories that you would think readers wouldn't give a crap about, like the death of another superhero. See his excellent work on Superman Wonder Woman for further evidence, a relationship I never gave a shit about. But you know what? He wrote the hell out of that book, and it's really good. Here, he does a fantastic job taking on the tired trope of the death of Wolverine, Soul seems to understand that Wolvie's death should be mean, dirty, and look like it hurts really bad, and it does. I was sucked in by both the art and the story. I can't wait to see who actually kills the little bastard, and how cool would it be if it's Sabretooth, and then instantly the Axis event gives him a conscience. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's actually pretty good. I that hadn't thought of that. would be awesome. Here's my problem. It's 22 pages of story. An art story with an additional 34 pages of backup sketches, notes, and bull. And they charge you a $4.99. I'm saying, give us a choice. Give me a $2.99 issue for 22 pages and a $4.99 issue with all the backup crap that I'm not going to look at. Disagree. I looked at the backup crap and I thought it was really cool. I'm I thought it was it. neat to see McNiven's art process. I thought it was neat to see the script and how it changed. And how Soul described things I'm in not saying words. I'm not saying that stuff is not interesting. It definitely is. But give us that choice. I'm still giving it a buy it. That's just one more stupid line item that a retailer's got to deal with. No. Oh, please. No. It's, it was, it was going to be $4.99 no matter what because it had that stupid hollow foil cover. Right. At least they gave us extra stuff. I'm giving it a buy it. I really enjoyed it. it and fun. I have not cared about what has happened to Wolverine in... I'm going to go ahead and say... Years. At, at least at least one year. I'll say that. I hate to say it. Since Paul Cornell took over Wolverine. Yeah. I have not cared. Not a bit. And Frank Cho's Savage Wolverine didn't do anything for me. Right. Pretty to look at. That's it. 
And so I picked this up completely removed from everything Wolverine except for his appearances in other books. I've, of course, I've heard the healing factor thing and I've heard, you know, uh, this, this is like the worst kept secret in comics that it's not even the secret. It's like, Hey, Wolverine, you're going to die. Right. I went into it. Eyes open. Soul and McNiven knocked it out of the park. My favorite thing is how Soul used the caption boxes. Where, like, Wolverine is talking about what hurts. Like, well, there's his there thought, are, there and are, then there's, like, his body. There are different know? kind of captions, right? There's right. his inner monologue, and then there's, you know... Um, like a checklist of the parts of him that are hurting. Yeah, then there's, like, <laughs> then there's like location-setting captions. Yeah. And then there's captions that are his senses. Right. So whenever he, like, retracts his claws, there's a caption in red that says pain. Or it says arm. Yeah. You know, or like and he hits his head and it says head. It was know? such an effective device. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this comic much, much more than I was expecting to. I, I said the stupid hollow cover, but it is actually really gorgeous. It's beautiful. And I just thought this was a great package. $4.99, yeah, it's $4.99, but at least there's lots of material there. I'm giving it a buy it. I don't agree that it was a ripoff. It was supposed to be a weekly series. Three and four have already been delayed. Well, you want Steve McNiven? The McNiven You factor. get Steve McNiven. <laughs> Joe, tell the kids about Hawkeye versus Deadpool number one. This is, again, from Marvel Comics, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Matteo Lolly. According to Diamond, it says 40 pages. It was also $4.99. Okay. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. It's actually less content. More story content, but yeah. fewer pages. Like 19 more pages of story. Just because the story was longer doesn't mean that there wasn't other content, is, hey man, is my point. I just wanted more story for my buck. Once upon a time, champions emerged to fight evil plaguing humanity. They fought for salvation for all that is good in the world, and they won. They were kind, generous, and self-sacrificing. They were heroes. These are not those heroes. Meet Hawkeye. Ladies' man. Ladies' man, because the ladies love to hate this man. They do? Crossbow Crusader, and most importantly, Avenger. He's the only guy on the team without any powers, though, so cut him a little slack. Then there's Deadpool. Mr. Deadpool to you. The regenerating degenerate. You can shoot him, stab him, and make with the punchy punchy right in his face, but nothing can keep the Merc with a mouth down. You did not write this. Of course I didn't. Okay. What do they have in common? Halloween and a shield espionage mystery that has both the heroes racing against the clock while outshining one another. It's a Hawkeye and Deadpool comic, 75 years in the making. Give or take 75 years. I wasn't planning on reviewing this book. In fact, I wasn't even planning on reading it. It wasn't on my radar. I've hated the recent string of Deadpool goes on a murder tour of the Marvel Universe type miniseries that have crowded the stands over the past couple of years. So I was planning on ignoring this completely until two things changed my mind. The presence of main Deadpool series writer Jerry Duggan and a recommendation from faithful listener Zach Logan. Shout out. I'm going to start with the art here because Matteo Lolly really impressed me. Lolly's list of credits spans back almost 10 years and features a lot of work on the old Marvel Adventures All Ages line. He made the jump to the main Marvel U in 2008 with a backup story or an annual here and there before finally landing the assignment to draw Deadpool Illustrated last year. His work reminds me a little bit of Clay Mann, who you might remember from the Age of X crossover a few years back. Lolly's art is clean and dynamic, and he's got a great knack for facial expressions. He's also doing his best David Aja impression, 
and it really worked for me. Lolly truly makes the issue feel like a melding of the Hawkeye and Deadpool titles. The story was fast-paced and fun. Duggan captures Hawkeye's voice very well. Duggan obviously knows Deadpool, and the writer is able to mesh the two characters' personalities seamlessly. Now I'm like 30 issues behind on Deadpool, so I have no idea what's going on with him and his supporting cast. That lack of knowledge could have been a huge stumbling block for me, but instead I found myself really eager to check back in with Wade's world. There's an uncharacteristic sweetness in the way Deadpool talks to and about the characters that appear here from his own title that I really wasn't expecting. It reminded me a lot of what I loved so much about Joe Kelly's Deadpool and what I hate about the version of the character that's simply a cartoonish murder machine. Yeah, the insane clown juggalo Deadpool. Overall, I was really surprised by this issue, and while I was planning on giving it a big pass before, I'm definitely on board for the whole run now. I'm giving it a huge buy it. I really liked it. I really liked it too. And I haven't read much of Jerry Duggan's, and Brian Posehn was on it for a while, that Deadpool either, but I've heard it's really good. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard they toned it way down, and they're trying to return to a much more human Wade Wilson, which is what we got, like in that Joe Kelly and Christopher Priest series that you and I both loved so much. I did read the Deadpool annual from last year or earlier this year that actually explained what happened to the schizophrenic voice inside Deadpool's head. Yeah. Where it came from and why it's no longer there. Yeah, it was a thing. And I loved it. Somebody did something to him. um, He had become, his molecules were merged with the villain Madcap. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like (laughs) they they were both... They were both like atomized. Okay. And and they just like when they regenerated, they regenerated as one. Like the fly. Kind of, yeah. Went into the telepod with Madcap and came out. Yeah, Deadpool. yeah, kind of. Yeah. And and eventually, uh, before the events of of this series, before number one, Deadpool finds out about it. He finds out what the hell's in his head and they they separate. Okay. But yeah, this so reminiscent of It really was. Like, Deadpool, yes, he's still crazy. He's still crazy. He still breaks the fourth wall. Right. He makes, like, really quick references that if you weren't paying attention, you'd miss it to the fact that he's in a comic book. I would argue he's not, like, so much crazy as he is funny. And I'm fine with funny Deadpool. Sure. It's crazy Deadpool that I'm well, sick of. It, well, there's crazy and there's crazy, yeah. right? I like Wade so. Wilson better when he was good at his job, you know? Yeah. Where you hired him as a mercenary, he went and he got the job done one way or another. I mean, not make, when he was like bouncing on a pogo stick made of bazookas, you know. Uh, like, make no mistake, the Joe Kelly Deadpool was also crazy. Mm-hmm. But he was, but he wasn't Bugs Bunny with a chainsaw. This 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 trend of making Deadpool, he's the guy that just goes out and murders things right. for fun. He's a juggalo. Fun. He's literally a member of the insane clown posse, you know, <laughs> like and it's dumb. And I I don't want that. I'm not into it and I refuse to read it. Yeah, this was really good. It really was, and it, if you told me that you were going to give Jerry Duggan the Hawkeye series and let him do it, and just run this back and forth in like a Hawkeye-Deadpool crossover, I'd read both. Yeah. I'd pick them both up. Yeah. I love the Hawkeye series. I still don't understand what happened to it and how it went so wrong, and it seems like Jerry Duggan might be able to save it. This was fun as hell. I'm also giving it a buy-in. 
So that's a double buy for both The Death of Wolverine number one and for Hawkeye versus Deadpool number zero. Why it's a zero, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. It makes no sense. Okay. Of course, we want to know what you dying knuckleheads and mismatched teammates thought of these comics. So before you drop dead, leave us your opinions over at the This Week's Comics section of the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. I see that pages refused to let you type knuckleheads. Yeah, he was pissed off. Stupid autocorrect. Normally, I recoil at the very thought of a celebrity dance show, but this season of Dancing with the Stars has a panel of judges that holds the very future of the Earth in the palm of their hands. It seems the Living Tribunal, Galactus, and the Dreaming Celestial will be judging all of humanity based on a group of D-list celebrities' dance skills and if Lolo Jones, Tommy Chong, and Alfonso Ribeiro can't whip out one hell of a quick step, we're all going to die. So join us now in the studio audience of what could be the last reality show we ever watch. While Joe and I review ten more of this week's new comics quietly during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Moon Knight, number seven from Marvel. Brian Wood and Greg Smallwood have the thankless task of following Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey's run. Wood and Smallwood? I know, right? And they did a great job. Smallwood's art is sublime, and Wood's story, while certainly different in style from Ellis, is still fast-paced and exciting. Plus, there are some hints at a larger story waiting to unfold. If you drop this title, The Second Ellis Left, you made a mistake. This is like what Wood does for a living. He's the guy they bring in after the big guy leaves. Everyone goes, oh, it's not going to be as good. And then we all go, wait a minute, this is great. Buy (laughs) it! Alice Cooper, number one from Dynamite. Because no one demanded it, writer Joe Harris envisions Alice Cooper as the Nightmare King, who's been enslaved by an evil dwarf manager and forced to recruit other rock acts for something. This was hard to follow, full of cliches, and just not very good. Not bad art by Iman Casalos. Probably saying that wrong. And a very cool David Mack cover. Still, nothing you need to read and not worth the $3.99 cover price. Leave it. Sorry, Alice Cooper. I still love you. God Hates Astronauts, number one from Image. You win, Keith Silva! Ryan Brown's absurdist superhero series returns in an all-new ongoing... Insane characters, ridiculous sound effects, human-chicken relations, (laughs) and astronaut farmers, all delivered by Brown's great art. It's bizarre. Of course. It barely makes any sense, but it's hilarious. I loved it. And I loved every page. Yeah. Buy it. I'm heavy into it. Ex-con number one from Dynamite. Dwayne Swazinski writes the story of a con man with synesthesia, which, in a nutshell, where you screw up your senses, like you smell colors and you can taste numbers and stuff, right? It smells blue. Here, it gives him the ability to see people's true motives, sort of like a glowing aura around them, like red means you're super mad and yellow means you want to have sex with me or whatever. He gets busted in 1984 and sentenced to five years in San Quentin. Now, he's out of prison, but his gift seems to have escaped him. This is a very high-concept story, but there just was not enough of the main character to hook me. I barely care about him, and I really was not crazy about the art either. I like the idea, but I just didn't care for the main character or why he lost his power. Not enough to bring me back. It's not poorly written, and it is an interesting concept, so I'm giving it the lowest stimmet I can. <laughs> I can't do that to Dwayne Trzynski because I love the guy. D+. 
F plus, we'll call it. Dark Tower, The Dawning of the Three, The Prisoner, number one from Marvel. That's still a failing grade. <laughs> no, it's an F plus. They don't give you F pluses. <laughs> I've never read the Dark Tower comics or the novels, but this caught my eye because it's set on Earth. I don't know if it's ever set on Earth before, but I saw it. It was like old gangster stuff. I I was there's like, werewolves. There's a gunslinger. I don't know. Look, I don't know shit about the there's Dark like Tower. A kid okay, that backflips into different realities. Wow, it's weird, man. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, Piotr Kowalski drew this issue. He draws everything. He draws a lot of stuff. It looks great, of course. And I thought the story was pretty accessible for being somebody that's completely unfamiliar. I'm not sure I'm going to keep going. But I was curious enough to check it out, and it didn't disappoint. It's well-written, it's well-drawn, pretty creepy, it's a strong skimmit. I will say, in Stephen King circles, Stephen King fans are very, very happy with Marvel Stephen King books. They is, love them. This is what I heard. Grendel versus The Shadow, number one from Dark Horse. Matt Wagner returns to Grendel, and it feels like he never left. Here, Grendel is mystically transported to 1930s New York, where he decides to get in the bootlegging business. Unfortunately for him, the Shadow knows the evil in Grendel's heart and isn't going to take his intelligent psychopathic BS. This was excellent and a great read for any potential Grendel or Shadow reader with amazing Matt Wagner art to boot. I love that guy. He doesn't draw enough. He's been writing a bunch of Zorro books that I don't care about. I'm happy to see him back with his character that I love. Buy it. Silent Hill. I think it's just Silent. Yeah. Silent Hill, colon, downpour, dash, and story. Number one from IDW. Why do they write these titles that are that should have two colons in them? I mean, really. That's not, that's not <laughs> how grammar works. Yeah, I agree. If there's one thing I know less about than Dark Tower, it's Silent Hill. No, here's the thing. You don't know less about it. There's nothing to know. Okay. It's completely nuts. All right. <laughs> the cover looked cool, so I gave it a look. The series fills in the backstory of one of the characters from the 2012 game, Corrections Officer Ann Cunningham. I thought this was about the new game that's coming out, but I looked it up, and no, it's the old game. Yeah. Why we needed to revisit the story two years later, I'm not sure, but it wasn't bad. It's got really decent art by Tristan Jones. This will probably mean a lot more to fans of the game series. For me, it's a skim it. I don't know, man. As a fan of the game series, I will tell you, if this comic made sense at all, that is a giant leap in storytelling for Silent Hill. Okay. <laughs> so. The names, number one from Vertigo. There is a lot going on in this first issue. International money conspiracy, murder, revenge, an underground cabal that may be controlling the world's finances, and in the middle of it all, the newly widowed wife of a Wall Street broker who doesn't believe her husband killed himself. Spoiler alert, he didn't. There was a little too much going on here to hook me, and some truly crazy art by Leandro Fernandez. Maybe this is going to read better in trade format, but there just wasn't much here to leave me waiting for issue two. It seems very high-minded. Peter Milligan is writing it. He's an intelligent guy. He's obviously got a bigger story to tell, but I feel like they did too much in this first issue, and I don't know where the f*** it's going. I gotta give this a leave it. Cloaks, number one, from Boom! This was going to be my main review this week oh. until I read Hawkeye vs. Deadpool. It was a pleasant surprise from writer Caleb Monroe and artist Mariano Navarro. Another book wasn't on my radar. Saw it laying on the shelf. I was like, oh, okay, that looks cool. Okay. The foster son of a dead illusionist grows up to become a Robin Hood-esque street magician that ends up being recruited by a government agency. It's David Blaine meets Catch Me If You Can. Huh. It's a fun story. Great art. Buy it. Okay. I liked it a lot. All right, then. 
the death-defying Dr. Mirage number one from Valiant. The doc is back, and this time she's a lady. A lady with a pug. So this comic instantly won me over. Roberto De La Torre puts on an art clinic here with his spastic, sketchy, hardline art. And Jan Van Meter writes a very convincing, recently widowed psychic detective that can talk to anyone but her husband. This was smart, well-written, beautifully illustrated, and another high-quality addition to the Valiant line. You should all be reading more Valiant comics. On a scale of 1 to 10, I give it a buy it. Whoa! Zock! That is your move for speed round, and Zock! The sound of an arrow hitting someone, impersonating the Punisher, a big guy that they call Big Pun, after one of my favorite rappers, in the leg as seen in this week's issue of Hawkeye versus Deadpool number one. Thank God for Facebook and our buddy Dazzler. Otherwise, we would have completely forgotten Beyonce's birthday this oh, week. I can't believe I almost missed it. This week in the Sanctum Sanctorum, we're planning a surprise B-Day party for our good friend who should be coming up the stairs any minute now. Hopefully she's bringing her husband, Jay-Z. Oh, man, I hope Jay-Z's here. Oh, That's God, really the only reason so we're cool. throwing this party. In the meantime, Matt, Allison Blair, and I will sneak in a quick discussion of our must-read picks for next week. She's like a huge Zinescope fan. What is that? <laughs> Figures. <laughs> Matt, what are you pumped to read next Wednesday? Next Wednesday, I'm excited for Copperhead, number one, from Image, written by Jay Farber, with art by Scott Godlewski. That is some Polish business there. Here's your solicit. Welcome to Copperhead, a grimy mining town on the edge of a backwater planet. Single mom Clara Bronson is the new sheriff, and on her first day, she has to contend with a resentful deputy, a shady mining tycoon, and a family of alien hillbillies. And did we mention the massacre? You didn't. You I, didn't mention it. They didn't mention that. I love Jay Farber, and it's been a long time since I've seen him doing anything. I feel like he disappeared for a while. Yeah, I agree. I Back agree. in the day, His Noble Causes was a fantastic book. Yeah. And I really miss it. This sounds like a lot of fun. Base, Western, female sheriff. It sounds like Firefly if, like, the camera turned to the left. Yeah, and focused on one story and one and, of these And then just, like, zoomed down to the planet and, yeah. and was about the sheriff. We're going to stay here for a season. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I'm excited. What are you picking next week, Joe? Look, man, I can't believe I'm saying this. What is this? My pick for next week is Teen Dog, number one, from... Boom Studios, Boom Blocks imprint. It's written and illustrated by Jake Lawrence. And the first thing I thought of when I saw the ad for Teen Dog in a comic a couple months ago was, holy sh**, Boom Studios is making a comic book about Poochie from The Simpsons. <laughs> Poochie D, you mean? It's a dog on a skateboard holding a piece of pizza, <laughs> wearing sunglasses. My name is Poochie D, and I came to get funky. <laughs> part Joe Camel and part... <laughs> I can't remember and that. I, I couldn't believe that it was real, but it's real. You guys, it's real. Here's the solicit. How was your high school experience? Teen Dog is high school if it didn't totally blow, and instead totally rule the most. <laughs> Teen angst and whimsical adventures collide in this new series, reminiscent of Doug, Saved by the Bell, and Kim Possible. What? I don't know. I ignored all that part. Skateboards, football games, prom. Your teenage years have got nothing on the raddest dude that's ever graced a denim vest. Written and illustrated by Jake Lawrence, Join Teen Dog and his best friend Mariella as they tackle typical teen life with a manic twist. Growing up is an adventure, and you might as well rock it. Okay, so let's back up. Is he actually a dog? 
He is a dog. Okay, so this is Saved by the Bell featuring dogs. Yes. And I'm going to tell you why I decided to pick it. Okay. Because... I'm curious. Right. <laughs> I, I saw it again on the release list this week, and I'm like, okay, what the f*** is Teen Dog? And so I looked it up, and I see that this guy, Jake Lawrence, is credited for this webcomic called Time Cowboy. And so I went <laughs> to his Tumblr, and I looked at his comics, and he is amazing. It's funny. Like, his art is great. He does really wonderful, quirky, funny little comics. And so, yeah, this is like super sincere to the max, dudes. Okay, I'm skeptical. But in a way that's also tongue-in-cheek and self-referential, like I think he's in on the joke. Okay, I demand you review this thing. Oh, I'm going to. Okay. You can better believe it. Yeah, I got to get a taste of Teen Dog. I picked it because I was so impressed by what I saw on his site that I have to check it out and I have to see what it's all about because... Teen Dog apparently has appeared in his other webcomics work. I didn't actually see any Teen Dog stuff. Time Cowboy? Time Cowboy is just the name of like his blog. Oh, okay. Got it. And so he's got all kinds of different comics. He's got like really gorgeous like Legend of Zelda comics that he did that are very lyrical and beautifully drawn. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, <laughs> but like you need to go go to the time. Just Google Time I'll check Cowboy. It out. Check it out. Check it out. I have to see it. I'm into it. I predict it's either going to be the best thing ever or the worst piece of shit. Teen dog. The th- Embrace it, bros. Okay, bro. The THN trade of the week goes to The Wrenchies graphic novel from First Second, written and illustrated by Farrell Darlarimple, who we both love. Mm-hmm. Here's your solicit. Meet the Wrenchies. They're strong, powerful, and if you cross them, things will quickly go very badly for you. Only one thing scares them. Growing up. Anyone who survives to be an adult lives in constant fear of the Shadows Men. All the teenagers who come into contact with them turn into twisted, nightmarish monsters whose minds are lost forever. This sounds just weird enough for Feral Dalrymple to draw it. Yes, and it's <laughs> got it's the got dude kind is of a weirdo. <laughs> it's got kind of a, a superhero theme, but obviously there's much deeper themes at play. Of course, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, he's it a, looks he's an amazing gorgeous. artist. I ordered this for myself. It comes out next week. I'm excited to read it. Cool. After you're done celebrating Beyonce's 33rd birthday, be sure to let us know what you plan on reading next week over at the THN forums. With the next big Marvel event accessed almost upon us, Joe and I thought this would be a perfect time to catch up on our Avengers pile. So let's get to it. Joey, it's time to catch up with the Avengers. All right, well, we should probably preface this by saying there will be spoilers. Right, right. right? We're we'll going to have an actual conversation. We're not going to pussyfoot around. If you're not caught up on Avengers type stuff, you might want to skip this. Let's get to the Avengers, the new Avengers, okay. and the uncanny Avengers. Let's just do, okay, <laughs> let's do, let's do Avengers and new Avengers first. Right. Because uncanny Avengers, while it is doing a huge epic thing it is separate from. Yes. Avengers and New Avengers have been part of Hickman's grandiose plot for these books like he has on every book he ever takes right. over. Universe spanning, reality smashing. Uh, you've on the on the Avengers side of things, you've got Captain America and Iron Man saying that the Avengers need to be bigger, they need to be world altering. And so they have created essentially an army of Avengers. Or they at least need to be prepared for world-altering events. Right. And it's been fun. Uh, I had not read it since in the end of Infinity. 
So that's how much catching up I had to do on both of these books. Okay. There's been a lot of complaints about New Avengers and Avengers both, saying that Jonathan, this is too big. It's gotten away from Jonathan Hickman. We have no idea where he's going with it. And then literally in the last two months, Jonathan Hickman has said, ha ha ha, dummies, and showed us I had a plan all along, sure. man. <laughs> um, I don't disagree that it's too big. It is or that Shoot. it's gone on too long. Okay, it maybe I'll, I'll agree with but that. But I don't agree for one second that Hickman didn't know what he was doing the whole time. I totally agree. Uh, so immediately following Infinity, there was a three or four issue storyline where the Avengers from an alternate Earth are sucked to our Earth by AIM scientists. Right. And that leads to the evolving of the super adaptoids into... One of the terrible cosmic villains mentioned in Infinity. The Builders? The Map Makers. Okay. <laughs> right? Who can keep it straight? Yeah, I don't know. Only Hickman. And so even, even though it seemed at first to be kind of separate, it's all part of it. Right. And these Avengers were like waiting for an incursion, which is what's been going on in New Avengers. The incursions are Earths in the multiverse coming together they're either going to smash together, taking both universes completely, or one Earth dies and both universes get to live. Yeah, one replaces the other, basically. And so that is like the unthinkable choice that the Illuminati... Well, the Illuminati has decided we're not going to sit back and, let, and, and just let this happen. And if it means half of them are of the mindset, if it means we have to destroy another world for ours to survive, that's okay. And the other half is saying, no. Well, not the other half. Cap is saying no. Well, no. There has to be a different way. Ultimately, in New Avengers, all of them said, "Look, we planned for this. Right. We thought we could do it. We can't." So while they have done pretty shady things and and spied on alternate Earths and watched Earths die and blah blah blah, they all stopped short of actually pulling the trigger until very recently. Yeah, when Namor said, "You know, I've had it." Let's just do it. I'm going to be frank about it. My life, my world, my people are more important to me than anyone else yeah. in the universe. And Namor did it. He destroyed an alternate Earth. Namor delivers an amazing line during those scenes where he says, if I am to become this thing, let it be at the time of my choosing. Yeah. You can just see how he has been broken by the very idea of it and the anticipation and the constant push and pull of, is it going to happen? Oh, it didn't happen. Is it going to happen? Oh, it didn't happen. Right. And finally, he just snaps. Enough is enough. Explode. That storyline ends with an amazing moment where Namor and Maximus free the Illuminati's prisoners, Thanos, uh, his two cronies, and uh, the Black Swan and Terax. Right. And they have formed the Cabal. And... When an incursion comes, the Illuminati says, we're not going to do it. We're going to just, we're just going to accept our fate. And what happens, happens. And so the time comes and then it passes and yeah. nothing happens. And nothing. the Illuminati's like, we were wrong. We were wrong. Yeah. This is all for Maybe nothing. Everything's okay. Like, Meanwhile, nope. <laughs> Namor and his army are murdering everyone right. on De this alternate. Destroying world, basically. It's so great. Now, I agree. I read it in a huge chunk, and so for me, it read very well, yeah. very fast, very well. The two books weave together very seamlessly. 
I read all of the Avengers and then all the new Avengers. I didn't feel lost. You know, I didn't feel like I had to I had to jump back and forth. Right. The Avengers definitely got away from me. When they got into the the time thing where Captain America destroys the time gem and they begin this journey jumping further and further and further forward in time, right? Yeah. It that got away from me a little bit and I had to go back and read a couple and be like, "Okay, now I will say it ended very very well. They end where finally Captain America gets to the end of time and he's talking to Iron Lad, Kang, and Immortus. All in the same room. All versions of the same person. All versions of the same person in the same room at the end of time. And they're basically telling him, look, we can't solve this, but what we can do is put it on hold by recreating the time gym and freezing it in this no time area where it's just basically paused. They were going to send you back to your time and you don't have to worry about it. Just, you know, do your thing. And Captain America's like, no fucking way. I'm leaving any of you lunatics in charge of this shit. You know? Right. But, you know, like there's a fight scene, of course. Captain America is transported back in time with new resolve. We have to fight. Only thing is, he's saying, this is all Tony Stark's fault. Tony Stark builds weapons. So when it came time to solve this problem, what did he do? He built a giant weapon. He weaponized the sun to destroy other planets. Yeah. And it seems that Namor and crew went, well, we've already got a weapon. These pansies are afraid to use it. We're not afraid to pull the trigger. Sure. It's it's a really complex situation. It seems it's going to lead into this Avengers war thing. And too. and the thing is, is that you can really see how both sides are right. Not Namor, obviously, but... You can you can see the the pragmatism of the Illuminati saying, "Look, well, Namor's also not wrong." <laughs> you know, I mean, he's not. I get it. He wants to survive. I mean, there's an uh, there's a philosophical argument to me to be made about sacrificing the lives of others to protect sure. your own. Sure. But you can see the the workings of the Illuminati like they're not bad. They've done bad things for what are essentially noble goals, but Captain America is so idealistic, he can't he can't see it. He can't wrap his head right. around it. And so... Well, and that's the beauty of that, is that when he gets to the end of time and Kang yeah. and Immortus are like, here's... It's not a solution. It's an end to the problem. It's what it is. Yeah. And he basically says, no, nah, that's not what I do. That's not how I work. And I believe that I can do this. Through blunt force trauma of punching something and throwing my shield, I'm going to keep trying. Well, he's got you the know? infinity gauntlet. Yeah. And ultimately fails to stop well, the, he does stop the incursion, but the Infinity Gems are destroyed or lost. So the one tool they had that could maybe stop it without bloodshed didn't work. And so Tony said, F*** it, man. We're building a weapon. Wipe his brain. Send him away. Yeah. He's not cut out for this. Yeah. And well, and again, like they were like, we can't continue to have this argument. Yeah. You've got Tony and Reed going, there's a math problem with a really, really bad solution. And we can argue about it all day, but it's not going to change. The, the answer end. is <laughs> you know? nothing but skulls. Right. It's little skulls in a row. <laughs> yeah. So I can understand the critics. If I had been reading this month to month, I think it probably would have driven me kind of crazy. Okay, what about the criticism that this is too close to Civil War? Because that's obviously, this is building towards uh, the Avengers War thing. We know, we know that title is out there. Yeah, and I mean, it, once again, you've got Steve saying, God damn it, Tony, you bastard. Well, we'll see. I'm coming because for you. Because the next issues are part of that time runs out thing they jump eight months ahead yeah so when we next visit these books we're going to be beyond that 
So I don't know. I, I don't agree that it's necessarily a, a mimicry of Civil War. Civil War was all about... No, no, I got that. I'm not sacrificing t- personal freedom. I just for, mean on the very yeah. basic of Avenger versus Avenger. That's all. Sure. I mean, how many comics are there where superheroes fight? I mean, right. it's the, it's a tale as old as time. Right. I, I'm into it. I can understand why somebody might be sick of it after two years. I read it all in one chunk, a, a long, glorious weekend of reading all of these books back to back. And I really loved it, and especially New Avengers as it built to that climactic moment with Namor and the Cabal. I I loved it, and I really can't wait to see what's going to happen in Time Runs Out. Okay, is Hickman going to pay any attention to what's going on in Access, or know. is his story too big to even fit into that? I really don't know because that's the other oh, thing. You've got this huge story it, going on in Uncanny Avengers. Hickman's story takes place after Axis. After eight months ahead. Oh, as Axis occurs and nears its completion, the books, the rest of the books in the Marvel universe will reach the point that Avengers and New Avengers are at. Holy right? Nuts. So the answer to your question is, I don't know yet. Right. But I, I find it hard to believe that Marvel and Hickman are just going to ignore. That's another huge criticism that's out there right now. That it's just like you could say Avengers and New Avengers do don't feel anything like uncanny avengers and i think that's a fair criticism i absolutely I like, agree i like all three books and avengers world you could even argue like, <laughs> like yeah who knows what the hell's going now, on now as far Mad as reports flying around on the back of a dragon <laughs> speaking of uncanny avengers i feel like uncanny avengers is the closest thing marvel has to a traditional avengers book absolutely while i am loving what's going on in the hickman books they don't really feel like the avengers to me other than it's got the characters. Right. You know, I'm loving Uncanny Avengers. This is leading directly into Axis where the Red Skull comes in and scrambles everybody's eggs and heroes become villains and Deadpool becomes Zen and whatever else happens. Okay, let's sum it up. Cap is an old man. Falcon's going to be the Cap. Thor is losing his job. Iron Man is going to go nuts because of the Axis event. But all this stuff that happens in Axis that's going to run through Marvel for the next six to eight months is going to take place before the end of Jonathan Hickman's current Avengers story. Correct. And that looks to be leading to this Avengers war that we've been teased with. I, I don't know. I don't know where it's leading. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be, right? Well, what, Mar- what a lot of people are speculating is that at the... We talked about it on the show... Is that when time rounds out is over, Marvel is hitting the reset button. Yeah, I don't buy it. I think like I don't buy it either. I think access is that reboot that they get to have fun with for a while. I think that if anything happens, it will be like a more of a merging. This is my theory. Time runs out will be the last incursion, and it will be the ultimate Earth and the main Earth. And they get farted together. And they clap them together. Miles Morales. Is now running around on Earth, and everything else that doesn't sell well in the Ultimate Universe is gone. <laughs> Ultimate Ultimate FF is already canceled. Ultimate yeah. All New Ultimates, I think, is also already it's canceled. canceled. I, I think it just makes sense, and maybe. so it, maybe not a hard reboot like we're resetting the history, right? But more like uh, we've merged these Earths, and now the main Marvel Universe is a lot closer to the movie verse. Could be, you know, we'll see. Time will tell. Right. The bottom line is that all these things seem to be dovetailing together in a way that has to have taken a whole lot of planning. Yeah, it's huge. And it's super impressive. It's huge, huge, huge. Boosh. Wow. 
We just caught up on a giant pile of. It comics. was a long weekend. You don't even have to read them now. And I read so <laughs> many. You comics. don't even have to read this crap. But if you want to, we would love to hear your thoughts on Marvel's Avengers books. And there's a perfectly good place to do that over at the DHN forums, man. Get there's a there. catching up on the pile sub forum. Get in there. Let's talk some back issues. Let's talk what you like, what you dislike. I want to hear your theories on what's coming. Sort of break it down like this. And that is it. Finally, for episode 177 of DHN. If you'd rather hear two adult children tell you what happened in your comics then read them you can subscribe to this show on itunes stitcher or tune in but we still need your star ratings your reviews your thumbs up and your hearts because guys girls it helps us to connect with other potential listeners thank you to all of our donors you are the coolest and if you want to be like the other cool kids smoking cigarettes and slinking their hair back you can donate by clicking our bad boy paypal button at twoheadednerd.com your parents will hate it if you do it's just misunderstood. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and Ziggurat Direct Hotline 402-819-4894. Using this rebellious list of resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read. You can defend your questionable nerd taste in front of the two-headed nerd judge for a defender segment. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic via printed digital airbrushed on the back of a cutoff jean jacket whatever brian and don't forget to sign up to the thn forums it's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show post videos of you practicing your butterfly knife moves or just rap about comics helpful list of options yeah remember to follow us on twitter like our facebook page and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the answer of the week podcast but if you need more THN in your life now, get over to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out, you guys, another blog from Casey Bob. Unreal. She can't be stopped. I think that's four weeks in a row. Unreal. It's not up yet, obviously. It needs to be edited, but it's coming. The ever-faithful Anthony Mathers with his Saturday morning cartoons. I've got a Sin City review ready to post as well. Just in time. He watched it, so you don't have to. <laughs> and as always... Ludicrous speed reviews by Aaron Myers. Controversial. That guy is angry. Controversial. Angry. That's right. Next week, we're playing Ask a Nerd, so be sure to get us your comic questions or trivia challenge for comic book aficionado Joe Patrick. Before we go, guys, our weekly shout out goes to Scarlett Johansson, who gave birth to a baby girl this week. Word to the hottest mom in Hollywood and to you, baby Black Widow. Until next time. True believer. That's what she names it. So, yeah, little baby Black Widow, right? <laughs> Black Widow Johansson. <laughs> Until next time, true believers, remember to pre order your comics because your retailer will put his tongue in your mouth, whether you're a boy or a girl. He doesn't care. His name's Joe Patrick. He loves it when you pre order. This is a two headed nerd signing off. You're writing a lot of checks that my mouth is not going to catch. That's up to you, buddy. It's not my problem. <laughs> In space, we're here a million.